All right. And also, Chris, I want you to know we're praying for you too. Amen. Well, how many of you have been getting something out of our teaching that we've been looking at on the Kingdom Keys? Amen. We've been talking for several weeks on the uh, invisible kingdom, what we call the invisible kingdom, because um, the Bible is very plain that without faith it's impossible to please God, and that we must believe that God is. But oftentimes the problem is, is you cannot see God in the visible, as far as a, a form. I've never yet seen God with my eyes in physical form, but I have seen God's moving and His power in other ways, amen, by answered prayer. Um, I can't tell you how often Prayers are being answered, and it's not just happenstance. we got to believe by faith that we're saved. We have to believe by faith that when we ask God to forgive us, our sins are forgiven. How many of you believe that today? When you ask Him, He's going to forgive you. And so we believe in something we do not see, and the, Bible's very, the Bible teaches a lot about that, that you know, blessed are those who believe and have not yet seen. Jesus talks about that. And uh, I truly believe that the invisible world, the one we can't see, is even more real than this world that we're in, that we can see. I believe right now all over the room there are angels Standing guard. I believe everywhere we go, there are angels. The Bible says that they are sent as ministering spirits to you and I. I know that um, my older brother had a dream that there was an angel he saw. I was kneeling and praying, and he said, I saw an angel over you, and he said he was huge, and his wings were stretched over you. Now, how many of you believe that there are angels, and they've been given assignment by God to be with us? In fact, the Bible even says, beware, because there are those that we can be in contact with, and they are angels, and we're unaware. Now, I'm not speaking about angels today, but they are very much a part of that invisible kingdom. And if we could only have our eyes opened, kind of like the, the, uh, the servant of the prophet, where the prophet said, hey, there's more with us than against us. And he's like, all I see is the army that's coming against us. And see, that's what we often see. We see the trouble coming against us. We see in the trials all around us. We see all the, the things around us in the physical, but what we don't see is the invisible. And he said, Lord, open up his eyes. And as his eyes were opened into the spirit, the invisible world, he saw angels all around them like chariots of fire. There were more with them than there were against them. And today we've been looking these several weeks at this invisible kingdom. I've been concentrating on kingdom keys, and before us today are these keys and we've looked at six keys so far, and I want to just go through them real quick. Reciprocity, you do this, God will do that. Use, if we don't use what God's given us, we'll lose it. Uh, perseverance, don't give up. The key of responsibility, God's given us things to do. He wants us to remain responsible with those things. Um, what was number five? Greatness, okay. And then number six 
greatness was what we looked at last week, and I just want to say this, that uh, the world's word for greatness and God's word for greatness are different. The world says, I am above you, or I am great at what I do, which means I'm better than anybody else. God's definition of greatness is, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, become servant of all. That means you're not there to be served, you're there to serve others. That is the one that in the kingdom of man, they seem like they're in last. But in God's kingdom, Jesus said the last will be and the first will be. So that is what he's talking about in greatness. So from the beginning of the revelation of mankind, from the beginning in the book of Genesis, I want to give you now another key. And as we put this key on the key ring today, I want you to know that this is one that often short-circuits the church. When this key is not being used, when this key is not being uh, guarded, the enemy can come in. This is called the key of unity. Unity. I want to take you to the book of Genesis chapter 1. I want to open with this scripture and then I want you to see how it all began. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Everybody say, in his image. According to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. This verse is showing us that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit move together. Notice this, God said, let us. Now, God is one, but He is evident in three distinct persons. The Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. They are all three God in one. There are not three gods, there is one God, but notice God said, let not me, but let us make man in our image. God the Father thought the plan, God the Son wrought the plan, or worked it, and God the Holy Spirit is the dynamite, the explosion that happened when God said, let there be, he went to work. Now... God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit move together, so therefore they move in unity. Unity flows out of that. And show me a great church moving in God's power, and I will show you a unified church. You see, we've got to grab a hold of this because unity in the invisible world governs the visible if it works in heaven, it works on earth. Jesus said when you pray, you pray that your kingdom come on earth just like it is in heaven. So look with me at Matthew chapter 18. I want us to look at verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, how many? Two. It shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Now notice this. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. In other words, where two or three, little is two are called together in His name. In other words, they're unified. Everybody, at the count of three, I want you to say your name. One, two, three. 
Did anybody hear anybody else's name except the person beside you, maybe? Now, at the count of three, everybody say Jesus. One, two, three. You see, that's the way God wants us. Not my will, but yours be done. Not David's will, God's will. And so the unity of the Spirit works amazing things. In fact, I want you to think with me on this. Unity even works with those who are in like mind for evil. At the Tower of Babel, Nimrod and all of his crew decided they were going to build a monument that would reach up to heaven so they could get to God. And the Bible says that God, when he saw what they did, he said, because they are of one mind and of one purpose, there is nothing that will be impossible to them. Now, see, we see this all over in our world today. We see when issues become major, big-time events where you get people unified behind a cause, even if that cause is unrighteous, unholy, evil, wicked, and not of God, and it begins to, like a snowball, roll down the hill. Why? It's because there is unity. There's unity of belief. There's unity of goal. There's a unity of desire. There is a unity of the end product. And God himself even said, even when their works were evil, because they're unified of the same mind and of the same purpose, there's nothing that will be impossible to them. So this will work for the good, and it will also work for evil. And I believe if the church of Jesus Christ will genuinely lay aside its own preconceived notions and center on Him every time they gather, they would be in harmony all the time. That means it doesn't matter what music is sung. That means it doesn't matter how much the message moved me. If God got glorified, that's all that mattered. Do you know why power flowed at creation? Because God was in harmony. God was in unity. What would have happened if God the Father had said, let there be light, and the Son said, I don't want light. I like it dark. Can you even fathom that? See, we can't even fathom that because they're one. Nothing would have gotten done. There would not have been light because there would not have been unified. So that is where, that is where at times the church has missed it. It's not about us. It's about him. In fact, the Bible even calls unity is like the anointing oil that was poured on Aaron, Moses' brother. He was a high priest. As Moses poured that oil on his head, he took that anointing oil and he poured it on him. Do you know what happened when that happened? That's like the Holy Spirit just saturating him. That's what happens with us when there's unity. And so I want you to notice something. This is found, I don't believe I have the scripture there for you, but it's found in the book of Deuteronomy. You'll recognize it. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 30, and it says that one of us standing on the rock which would be Jesus, can chase 1,000 of the enemy. We can put 1,000 to flight. One standing on the rock can put 1,000 to flight, and two would put, guess how many? 10,000, not 2,000. Now, you would think if one puts 1,000 to flight, then two would put 2,000 to flight. But no, no, no. If you are unified and you're standing on the rock, two of you, We'll put 10,000 to flight. Exponential. You see, unity does not cause doubling or even tripling of power. It causes an explosion. That would mean 
three people would put 100,000 to flight. And four would put a million. Boom. You see? That's all it takes. From 1,000 to 10,000, by only getting two into agreement, is an explosion. And think about what would happen if all the church of God got into agreement, and we didn't care what name was over the door, and we just said we just want God to move. I just want the conviction power of God to come. And if we're wrong, we need to get right. Amen. See, the Bible in the book of Acts chapter 1 and chapter uh, verse 14 declares that the early church, 120 people, were gathered in an upper room, and all of them, the Bible says, were of one mind and one accord. Amen. And they were devoting themselves to prayer, so that means they were unified. And when they were unified in prayer, a phenomenon occurred such as they had never not known before. And the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. Jesus said, I will pour out my Spirit upon you, and all flesh will begin to prophesy. And the power of God was so great on those 120 people that the world took notice, and they heard them speaking in tongues, and they thought they were drunk. Peter began to get up and speak, speak, and now the words of Peter are anointed by the Holy Spirit. Remember how Peter would get himself into trouble by speaking? Now he is anointed of God. He is spirit power on fire, and cloven tongues of fire had already just fell all over them. So he was on fire, literally, and he begins to say, no, no, no. Listen, they haven't even had time to get drunk. What you see is that which Joel the prophet spoke about, saying, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will, will dream dreams, your old men, all and on. It goes on. And, and the Bible begins to get uh, fulfilled. And after they listen to this message, which I can read in three minutes, 3,000 people get saved. 1,000 a minute. Wouldn't that be a revival? A thousand a minute. But they were unified. 3,000 people came to Christ that day, and the church of Jesus Christ was alive and well on planet Earth. Now, at another critical stage, missionary outreach was, was launched from Antioch, where the Lord's followers were first, first called Christians because they were like Christ. They were little Christ's is what the word means. And Acts chapter 13 tells us that this church was fasting, this church was ministering unto the Lord in prayer, and while they are ministering to Him, here's what happens, while they are worshiping Him, while they are all of them together putting their full devotion upon Him, He tells them who to send as missionaries. They're not looking unto themselves. They're not wondering who's greatest among us. Hey, this guy's the most popular, so let's send him. They're going, Lord, we don't know what to do. And they fast and they pray, and God makes it clear what they're supposed to do. And the message today, church, is as clear as it can be. People will not hear the, vis the vision. They will not hear the voice of God clearly unless the unity of the Spirit is maintained. That means when we come into church, it's not about us. Can you hear what I'm saying today? I'm not saying that you don't matter. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that our, our reason for coming is for Him. You see, division and disunity, I have I have shared this, this analogy with you so many times, but a, a, a young man, pastor, took a church, and this church was literally divided down the middle, literally. The people on this side believed one way, and the people on this side believed another way. And they were divided. And after the very first service, the, uh, an elderly lady came up to the pastor and said, Pastor, I just have a question for you. How are you going to please all 200 of us, knowing this division? And he said, I am not going to please you all. 
my plan is to please one. And if I please him, that ought to be good enough for the 200 of you. Amen. There have been divisions in churches for the color of carpet that is going to be placed in the church. People leave over that. People leave over music. People leave over uh, style, whatever. Now, I'm not saying, listen, if God calls you to a church and, and moves you on, that's between you and him. But I'm just saying that division and disunity have been, have been a lot of times the thing that has kept the church from advancing. And we've got we to gotta make sure that doesn't happen anymore. Amen? So we've got to use that key. And I just want you to, to say this today, that if not us, who? If not now, when? Amen? So this quest for unity, this ability to use this key in the kingdom of God is so important. And I believe here's where we will never miss out. The Bible says if two will agree in prayer. When we come into prayer, it's about let the will of God be done. Because that's how Jesus told us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, say it with me. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know what? He doesn't, when we make it through the rest of that prayer, we've forgiven people who have sinned against us. We've asked God to meet every one of our needs according to his power. We've prayed for the power to come in and through our life. And we've also ended by saying, praise be back to you, Lord, for it's your kingdom and your power and your glory forever and ever. Can you say amen to that? All right, now I want to look at key number seven. And this is called the key of miracles. The key of miracles. We have got to get a hold of this in these last days again. Because the early church was a church of miracles. Miracles happened. Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray. And on the way there, they see a need. A man who'd never walked in his life. And he's begging for alms. And that's the classic place where Peter said, listen. Look at me. Silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Now we know it's a miracle because I've spoken with a physical therapist who was in our church in Steamboat Springs. And this man had never walked. Yet after that prayer, literally a, a commanding prayer, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. The man walked. He stood up. Now, to a physical therapist, that's a miracle because those muscles had never been used in that way. But he went walking. How does that happen? Had to have had strength in the muscle to do it. God had to have given him automatic boom. Miracle. I believe in miracles today. I believe miracles still happen. And I want you to see this in the book of John chapter 14, verse 12. Notice what Jesus says here. We have it? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Now, I've told you this so many times, but when Jesus walked to this earth, 
He never ceased being the Son of God, but the things He did on the earth, the miracles He did on the earth, the power that flowed through Him on the earth was the third person of the Godhead coming upon the second person of the Godhead who willingly chose to empty Himself of all the rights He had to operate as God. Philippians chapter 2, He emptied Himself... And when he's baptized, the Bible says the Holy Spirit lit upon him like a dove, and out of heaven was a voice that said, Behold, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That was the Father who spoke it. That was the Holy Spirit who landed on him like a dove, and this is the Son of God. Now remember this today. Jesus, even now in heaven, is 100% man. Raised from the dead with a spirit body. But he's 100% God. Never ceased being God. But the reason he did what he did is because Adam goofed up. Adam fell. The first Adam fell. So he became the second Adam and did what the first Adam did not do. And he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit to show you and me that we have the same Thing available to us by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk without sin. Do you believe that's possible? Do you believe you can go through a day and not sin? I do. Because God said you can. You can, not by yourself, but through Him. And it's as you begin to rely more upon the Holy Spirit. You see, so often, even in the kingdom of God, even in, I say in the kingdom of God, even in the church, whether or not we're in the kingdom of God is yet to be seen. Do you see what I'm saying? Whether we're walking in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of man, you can be a Christian and not be walking in the kingdom of God. You can be a Christian and worry. That's not God's kingdom. Jesus isn't worried. The Father isn't worried. The Holy Spirit isn't worried. Amen? Worry and God are oxymorons. They just don't. It's kind of like jumbo shrimp. No. It, God and worry. No. A worrying God. No way. So this power of miracles, while Jesus walked the earth, this law, this key, he moved in this. He moved into the miraculous of God, and he brought it into the lives of needy people to the point where people were literally ripping off the rooftops to get people down to him because they couldn't get in through the door. So this man who's paralyzed, they rip a rooftop off, and they lower him down, and he heals him. Not only does he heal him, he says, your sins are forgiven, so we know he's 100% God. Only God can forgive sins. And it just, it weirds the Pharisees out. They're like, only God can do this. He's like, I know. I may refer to myself as the son of man, but I never cease being God. I am his son. You see, there is a law, a key of miracles, and it governs the question. Here it is. Listen to this. It governs the question of God's willingness to disrupt this natural world in order to accomplish his purpose. That's what happened with that man that was lame at the gate called Beautiful, that Peter was used by God to heal. The works I do, you'll do. When God does disrupt this natural world, the result is a miracle. You see, God... When a miracle happens, he comes in and he overrides the natural. He overrides the way in which things normally operate. That's why a doctor sometimes will see a cancer on film, and then they'll do it again, and it's gone. And he's like, I don't know what happened. I know it was there because we have the x-ray. Now, God doesn't always do that, and now we don't understand why. But that he does is 
a reality. He can heal a body instantly. He can calm a storm instantly. He can raise the dead. He can do whatever he wants to do. And he does. Those are miracles. But even then, he works within principles. And those principles frame what is known as the law of miracles. So, today we live in a world that is in, I don't know how else to say it, but a desperate condition. How many would you agree? This world is in a desperate condition. People don't even know what it means to be a man. People don't even know what it means to be a woman. Masculinity is in danger. Uh, But God has never ceased being God and having answers to all of those things. We still need miracles today. The desperate conditions require desperate measures. So if we still need miracles today, we need people who will understand the law of miracles and act on it. On the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had already ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit came upon the church. And church, I've got news for you. He's never left. He's still here. Do you know that when the Holy Spirit came upon the church of Ephesus, it was 20 years after the upper room experience in Jerusalem? And when he came upon those Ephesian believers, they received the Holy Spirit the very same way. Peter and John and all of the 120 in the upper room did. I want you to look here in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. You still with me today? Um, I want you to notice something here. This is known as the Great Commission. And these are Jesus' words. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news or gospel to all creation. That right there breaks down racial barrier. Amen. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Not my words, God's. Are you catching the gravity of this? And these signs... Everybody say signs. Everybody say miracles will accompany who? The preachers? The big shot prophets? The evangelists that are well known? No. These signs will accompany all of those who believe. In my name... They will cast out demons. You know how we need to be praying this? In his name, I can cast out demons. In his name, they will speak with new tongues. Notice this. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, let me stop here and deal with this. It doesn't mean you need to go out to a rattlesnake pit and go try to pick them up. I've seen all this kind of stuff happen to we're we're rattlesnake handlers in the name of Jesus. That is not what he's saying. Paul was sitting there at a fire, reaching in to put a piece of wood in, and a viper fanged him, and it's hanging off of his hand. And everybody's like, man, this guy must really be a bad dude because the gods are just going to take him out through this viper, this asp. And they're waiting for him to keel over and die, and he doesn't. And all of a sudden, they're going, no, he must not be against the gods. He must be a god himself. 
And he's like, used that. Ver- that was a miracle, church. He should have died, but he didn't. He used that opportunity by not dying from this ass by that he says, hey, this is the God I serve. And you see, what was it that caused them to believe but a miracle? What was it that caused them to change their thought process but a miracle? And he said, they will drink, they will, if, if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. It doesn't mean to go out and try everything you can drink. You don't go out there and drink bleach water or whatever. You see what I'm saying? But if you accidentally did, you see what I'm saying? They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, there are some things that I want us to look at today before I let you go, and there are three things that have to be going on in our life for these things to happen. Number one, you must make prayer a priority. That's your fill in the blank. I want you to see this. In Matthew chapter 17, I want to share with you verses 14 through 21. It says this, when he when they came to the multitude, a man came up to him falling on his knees before him and saying, "Lord, have mercy on my son for he's a lunatic. He's very ill." For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and he said, speaking to his disciples, O unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How would you like Jesus to talk to you like that? How long shall I put up with you? That's what he said to his disciples. Then he turns his attention back to the man and he said, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him. And the boy was cured the following year. No, at once. Everybody say immediately. Do you see this? Now watch this. And Jesus answered, and he said, or rather, the disciples then came to Jesus, verse 19, privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Now, they really wanted to, but they couldn't. And Jesus said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Now, notice this, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. You see, the littleness of our faith a lot of times is in the direct relation to our prayer life. If we're not praying, our faith's not growing. If our faith's not growing, it's because we're not praying. You see, Jesus, he was in, he was in prayer before he did miracles, and then he went, instead of kicking out and grabbing a Coke and some French fries and an ice cream cone, sitting down in his recliner and watching television, what he did is he went and he went back into prayer. He had a whole life of prayer. Do you see it? So, by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Jesus said in the Great Commission, you are now qualified to go out into all the world and to do the works that I did. But we've got to have a prayer life. Secondly, we must take our eyes off the problem and put them on the promise. What are you looking at? You see, we can look at the world right now and get depressed if we keep looking at the world. Or we can look at the world today and get excited because we're looking at the promise. You see, Jesus, none of this stuff is, is uh, taking him off guard because he said it would happen. In the last days, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. The love of many is going to grow cold. These are signs of the second coming. And yet we're now seeing them right now, and the rapture hadn't happened yet. 
But remember this, a lot of times we think, well, when is God going to do all this stuff? It, it, he's, I've read about this all my life. And, and God's slow concerning his promise. Peter deals with that in Second Peter chapter 3. He said, hey, what you call slowness isn't slow to God because your day, it's like a thousand years to God. And a thousand years is like a day to him. Amen? So we've got to take our eyes off the problem and look at the promise. When, when, when Moses sent 12 people, 12, 12 men, one from every tribe, into the, the promised land, there were 10 of them that came back, and they just had a bad report. It was just negative. Now, these are the same guys that are carrying this one huge pole and the grapes. They had to take a huge pole on it because the grapes were so big. And it took a couple guys to carry the pole. And these doubters are carrying the fruit into the, 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 the place of God, the people of God, the camp of God. And they're like, yeah, here's the fruit. And it is, it's a land. It flows with milk and honey. I'll give you that. It's a, it's a blessed land. But, man, there are giants in the land. And we looked like grasshoppers in their eyes. Really? You know what you look like in their eyes? No, here's the problem. That's what you think you are, so therefore that's what you think they think you are. We got to know what God says we are, and we got to look at the promise, not the problem. Stop looking at the problem. Because if all we're seeing is the problem, this is the problem. And guess what? There were only two guys out of those 12 that got to go into the promised land, but they had to walk in the desert with all of these doubters and whiners for 40 years. But Caleb and Joshua got to have the land, and Joshua even got to lead the people. So we have we, 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 we must take our eyes off the problem. Say this today, I must. Number three, you must destroy doubt. Doubt. Look at James chapter 1. You still with me today? I know I've gone a little over 11, but I don't care. We're going to keep it going until it's finished out on these uh, notes. Look at this. When we ask, we've got to ask in faith without any doubting. Say that with me, without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven, tossed by the wind. Jesus said to these men, O ye of little faith, now, that was a miracle that they performed. Remember when Jesus had just fed the 5,000? He went up to the mountain to pray. He said to the disciples, get in the boat, cross the water. Now, what happened between here and there? What happened once they got into the boat and went to go to the other side? There was a storm. And you know what? That's life. There's a storm. Your storm's not going to be my storm. My storm won't be your storm. Say, well, Lord, I just, I'm going through a storm and nobody understands me. I want to assure you this. Somebody's gone through the same storm you've gone through. Because the Bible says we go through things not just to go through things. We go through things to help other people go through the same thing we're going through. But sometimes our storms are different. But listen, God's given us the Holy Spirit to make it through the storm. And here's what happened. Jesus comes walking on the same storm that is causing them problems. They're straining at the oars. The wind is against them. And yet here is Jesus walking on the water, walking on the water, walking on the water. And he speaks to the storm. And what happens? And Jesus loves these guys so much, he just speaks positive words of affirmation to them after that. He says to them, O ye of little faith. And they're like, man, Lord, would you lay off that? One thing about God, he will never let you not know where you are. Lord, I have faith. Well, if you have faith, I told you to get in the boat and go the other side. You speak to the mountain. You speak to the storm. You do this in the name of Jesus, in the power of God. 
So I just want you to understand, we have to begin to destroy all doubt. You see, all that God needs is a channel to flow through. The spirit world controls the physical world. The lesser authority must yield to the greater authority. Church, can I tell you today, there are people walking this planet influenced by the spirit world that is not of God. And I want you to know this world is enamored by that world. Harry Potter books would not be the major sellers they are if people weren't interested in that world. You see, the supernatural is both God is supernatural. Now, the devil is not God, but the devil can make himself look like an angel of light. And he has power. Angels have power. I just thought I'd let you know this. There was one time the children of Israel had 185,000 of the enemies surrounding them. The Bible says God sent one angel. Just one. And when he got done with them, all 185,000 were dead. All I need is a part-time angel. You know what I'm saying? 185,000 of the enemy, one angel. God's power beats the devil's power, but here's what the devil tries to do. He tries to scare you. It doesn't matter what the word, it can be cancer, it can be death, it can be sickness, it can be debt, it can be children problems, it can be marriage problems, whatever it is, he wants to scare you and then he wants to destroy you. That's the problem. Look at the promise. Say, Satan, you've told me the problem. Here's what God has done. He's given me the promise and I am not going to doubt. Amen. The last thing, and I want to say this about the keys. These keys are different. Let me just take this one. Kingdom keys are different in that they're not so much put in a hole and turned. They're placed on our lip and spoken. Jesus rebuked the spirit, and it left. God said, you will believe in your heart, but that's not enough. You have to speak with your mouth, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and then what happens? You're saved. You can believe all you want. Church, let me let, me let you in on something. The Bible tells us this. Even the demons believe and shudder, but they haven't confessed him as Lord. They serve Satan. They serve Lucifer. Those one-third of the angels that fell with him the day he came against God, the Bible says one-third of the sons of God or the angels of God, they, 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 they fell with him. And Jesus said, behold, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. But Jesus spoke and demons left. You got to speak to the situation. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, he spoke. When God created the heavens, he spoke. When God said, let there be, there was, every single time. He told the disciples to command the mountain, which would do what they said. If they didn't doubt in their heart. Jesus raised three people from the dead. How did he do that? By speaking to them. Lazarus, come forth. Little girl, I say to you, arise. Young man, touching a coffin, I say to you, arise. I mean, he messed up every funeral he went to. 
He cleansed a leper by speaking to him. He healed a Roman centurion's daughter when he wasn't even in her room. In fact, they were miles away, and he spoke, and he said, let it be done unto you even as you have believed. And when that centurion got home, he inquired of when was she healed, and it was the same hour he spoke to Jesus because it took him a little while to get home. You see, prayer for Jesus was communion with the Father. Listening to the Father. Watching the Father. What the Father did, He did. What the Father said, He said. The Son spoke the word that the Father said, and the miracle happened. I'm going to tell you a secret. There's something that can short circuit your prayers. Unforgiveness. If you harbor unforgiveness towards someone and that barrier is there God will not hear you you say pastor seriously yes it's in the Lord's prayer say it with me again our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins or debts. Watch this. In the very same way we forgive others. Jesus said, if you forgive much, you'll be forgiven much. If you forgive little, you'll be forgiven little. According to your measure, so will it be measured back unto you. So sometimes we think, well, Lord, why are we not used in the miraculous today? Unforgiveness. It's a spiritual cancer. It's got to be cut out. Cancer, by its very nature, eats away at a person. Men and women, Christian and non-Christian, carry this unnecessary baggage around for years. And you know you've got it if when you think of them, this wall comes up. And the thing, if you were told to speak about them, you would thrash them. You'd beat them up. You'd hit them, hate them, and hurt them. You know that forgiveness has not happened. And any power of God resident in you is eaten up by the resentment. In church, that's why I say when a person gets saved, they've only just begun. They must then walk step by step in a state of forgiveness. Here's how you do it. Because I know how your mind works. I know how my mind works. I, can, I, I know the people who have offended, who have hurt me. When their face comes in my mind in that little picture mode, that little movie maker man that I have in my brain, I mean, how many of you know it's in, it's in ultra high def, full color, cinematic, and, and you can hear them? If, if, if they were really angry with you and, and spit and saliva flu, you see that in your film. You see it all over again. And you get upset all over again. Or... 
when the devil brings that up to you, you say, Satan, I'm dead to that. When are you going to get this? I'm a dead man. I die daily. I get on the cross every day. Lord, I'm not going to live to myself. Lord, I'm not going to live to my thoughts. I'm not going to live to the things that have happened to me. I'm not going to live in the past. Right now, the past is past. I have forgiven him. I have forgiven her. And I set them free. And I let you set me free. Lord, I, I forgive him the same way I want you to forgive me. And Lord, I want it all gone. And I'll tell you this, the church will begin to see miracles. There are some people right now sitting at home, they won't darken the door of a church. Guess what? You need to forgive somebody. You need to forgive the church if you're listening to me online and that's you. The church is not perfect. When you come to church and you expect perfection, remember who's walking through the door. thought I'd remind you that. Are you perfect? None of us are. If you look to man, if you look to the church, if you look to the pastor, if you look to Christians to be the perfect model, you will always be disappointed. But I'm here to announce to you today, it's not that we won't fail. It's what we do after we have. And it's not that we won't fail one another. It's what we do after we do. Here's the caboose. The principal weapon against unforgiveness is love. Read 1 Corinthians 13 again today, specifically verses 1 through 8. It tells you what love is. Faith, we need it. Without it, we can't please God. Hope, hope. You've got to have hope because it works with faith. And love We're told faith, hope, and love remain, and the greatest of those isn't faith, isn't hope, it's love. Do you need a miracle physically? Do you need a miracle financially? We need a miracle nationally. But it will never come. if we live in unforgiveness. Now here's the tough thing. That means we got to forgive the people that we disagree with. Down deep, we really don't like them. See, there's a fine line. In church, here's why Jesus said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. It's not for you. Well, my air conditioner shut off, so I guess I got to stop. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for your ear today. Did you get something out of this? Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we need unity. Lord Jesus, we need miracles. I pray, Lord, that both of those things we would work on this week. Lord, I pray that we would be unified in our home. We will be unified in the church. And, Lord God, that we would begin to see the miracle power of God come. I pray, Lord Jesus, that this key of miracles... Lord Jesus would be spoken, would be put into place, and that forgiveness will be focused on in our heart and life, that we will remember this message, and God, that we will put this into action. Even now, if there is anyone in the room, anyone listening online, anybody watching online, and there is unforgiveness in our heart, I pray, Lord God, right now, you would forgive the unforgiveness and release us from that in Jesus' name. The people that, Lord, there would be unforgiveness for, let them, let them be set free, and let the people who are bound by them be set free in the name of Jesus. Satan, take your hands off what belongs to God. I bind you in the name of Jesus. You have no right in this place. You have no right in the life of a child of God. 
You are defeated. You fell from heaven. You lost your place. And we are above only and not beneath. The Bible says, Jesus said that we would crush you with our feet. The Bible says the scorpion and the serpent, we would crush. And in Jesus' name, you're the scorpion, you're the serpent, and we rebuke and bind what you are attempting to do in the church in America, what you're attempting to do in the nation of America, what you're attempting to do in the families of America, what you're attempting to do in the in the lives of our young people in America, and we are claiming this nation back for God. We are stating in the name of Jesus that we are the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ, that we will not be defeated because our eyes are on our master, and we are not looking at your problems anymore. Father, we are looking at your promises in Jesus' name. And if you believe that and you pray that prayer with me today, say a big amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's go out into this world and let's begin to work for the kingdom with the keys that God has given us. Amen. Two more keys. I'm going to share them with you next week. I love you guys. God bless you. Stay cool. We'll see you. In the